1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12 says, Beloved, do not be surprised. Somebody say, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised at the fiery trial, he says, when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice. Everybody say rejoice. He says rejoice in so far as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. In other words, if you hang with Jesus and rejoice from the bottom, uh, you can say we started from the bottom. Now we hear when he comes back. Come on. And so not only this, he said, if you are insulted, I love this because this doesn't match with a lot of our theology. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed. I could just stop right there and just preach on that. Because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or a meddler. Up in everybody's business. Yet, if anyone suffers as a Christian, some people say the, the concept of and the title of Christianity is not in the Bible, you know, and uh, that's actually erroneous. Um, he says that if you suffer as a Christian or as a Christ follower, says, let that person not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name as a Christian. Praise God. And so this series we've been in for the past few weeks, A Hard Knock Life, and I've been challenging you around your perspective and making sure that you have a proper perspective as it pertains to suffering. Everybody say suffering. As it pertains to difficulty and things that you and I face. Who, who in here is a, are, are fans of Venus and Serena Williams? Any, anybody? Okay. Fantastic. I'll never forget a few years ago, right, before we moved, even before we moved to California and then came back home. You know, I remember there was a time when the, one of the Williams sisters were preparing, were, were participating in some sort of a championship match. I don't remember. It slipped my mind exactly which one it was, but it was one of them. And it was one of those uh, matches, those tennis matches that everyone was tuned into. We were all wilding out. We are all freaking out. We could not wait until the match came on. Even the man them who were like, yo, tennis is a waste sport, fam. You know, everyone was still tuned in because they were supporting those sisters, whichever one it was. And so I'll never forget, something happened. And unfortunately, I was unable to be able to watch the match live. However, praise the Lord for the DVR ministry. Some of y'all are grateful for that. Hallelujah. And so I was able to record it, and I could not wait until I had the opportunity to come home and watch this, you know, watch this match, even though it had already, you know, happened and all of that. Now, the thing is, man, that I happen to go on Facebook, and if you don't want somebody to jack stuff up for your life, stay off Facebook if you haven't seen what you're getting ready to watch. You know, you know those people that like to spoil it for everybody? Who in here actually likes spoilers? You like to go and see what's going to happen before it happens. Okay, fire for all of you who say that you do. (laughs) Because, yo, I absolutely cannot stand. Like, I want to be surprised. I want to know what's going to happen, you know. And so 
I went on Facebook and one of the ladies from our church, darn church folk, she just goes on there and she's like, she's like, congratulations to whichever one of the sisters it was. And I was just like, man, I was Ben fam. I was like, I cannot believe that you went out there and you put this up and then you just spoiled the surprise, right? But even though the thing was this, at first I was vexed because I wanted to watch it live. Somebody sees where I'm going with this thing. But even though I knew what was going to happen, and even though I knew that at the end she was going to win, fact of the matter is that even though that was the case, it did not spoil me getting excited in watching the journey. Fact is, because, because I knew that it was that she was going to win in the end, while I was watching it, you know, and it seemed like sometimes I was like, oh, man, she missed that. Or, you know, there were some times when, you know, uh, one of the games might have gotten lost. She might have lost one and there was still an opportunity. But, you know, I, I wasn't I was able to rejoice even though she was having tribulation during the process. <laughs> and the reason why is because I already knew who was going to win in the end. Oh, man, I could close my Bible right there. I showed up to this theater in Malvern with some micro braids in my head. In front of y'all to encourage about 12 of you to know that their perspective ought to be different if you flip to the end of this book. Because you and I, we already know. Come on, church. What's going to happen in the end? It does not change the excitement because I know what's getting ready to happen. But instead, come on, it changes my perspective so that even though I'm going through some difficulty in this life, I hear what Jesus says. John chapter 16, verse 33. I love it. And I keep your finger in first Peter in first Peter chapter four and turn with me to John, uh, John chapter 16, verse 33. I'm going to read it. And I think this will be a good place for us to start. Book of John is in the second half of the Bible. Let's start from verse 32 says, behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you will be scattered each to his own home and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone for the father is with me. And then look at verse 33. I have said these things to you that in me, you may have peace in this world. You will have tribulation. Somebody say tribulation. You'll have suffering, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So Jesus makes the promise here to his disciples that in this life, in this world, in the times that they were facing, that as Christians, they would have tribulation. See, some of us, we think the only promises in scripture are that, you know, if you just hang in there, that you're going to get a house or a car. And, you know, we think about prosperity, but we often we don't like to remember and, and cling to promises where Jesus tells us about the fact that we're going to have tribulation. I'm glad that God lets us know that I'm going to at least have some trap challenges up ahead aren't you glad that your challenges are not a surprise party 
The scripture lets us know that you're going to have trouble and that you're going to have tribulation. So this is why, this is why Paul said, well, uh, why Peter says rather in 1 Peter chapter 4 where we're reading today. He says in verse 12, beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. You see, that, that, that's what the Bible says. I know what the TV preacher might have told you, but I just want to let you know that the Bible is clear. You should not be surprised. So I'm not talking about walking around being in a pessimistic sort of a manner. You know, oh my gosh, you know, everything bad is good. Nothing's good is ever going to happen to me. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about walking around being a negative Nancy. But I am talking about the fact that you should not be surprised that going through this life, that challenges are going to come to you for standing be as a believer in Christ. Are you with me this morning? But then the B part of the verse, he says, notice he starts by saying, I tell you this so that you will have peace. In other words, remember this whole series is to challenge your perspective while you are under God's mighty hand. Notice he says in 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 6, remember he tells you, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that in due time he will exalt you. He wants you to be able to walk in a place of humility, in a place of peace, not being in a place of surprise, wondering what's going on, acting like, you know when people, they try to act surprised when you told them stuff was going to happen? You ever been in that place in your life where you told someone, hey, if you don't stop doing this, X, Y, and Z is going to happen. And then they act like they're ignoring you. And then as soon as stuff happens, they just become a drama queen or king. Oh my God, I wasn't ready. And it's like, well, somebody told you, you know, we have to, I just love it. Jesus gives us the heads up that there's going to be challenges. But he says that we are to be of good cheer or take heart or here in the, in the text, uh, Peter ends up going and saying in verse 13, but rejoice. And the reason why we can rejoice in the hard knock life, the reason why we can rejoice when there's troubles and challenges and tribulations is because Jesus has overcome the world. We know, and this is why I was sharing about Serena and Venus in the story with the tennis match, because we know that we win in the end. We know that no matter what we're going through, Romans 8 verse 18 declares, he says, for the suffering of this present time, is not worthy to be compared with the glory come on bible readers with the glory that shall be revealed so no matter what i'm going through right now romans 8 18 encourages us to know that if we have our trust in christ no matter how terrible the suffering is no matter how heinous the persecution is no matter what we're up against we can go through it and rejoice because we of our perspective of what we're up against i'm telling you a proper perspective will shift your life a proper perspective will really get you to the place where it will build your life instead of breaking your life a proper perspective that's why there's people in your life who have gone through some of the craziest stuff and you're looking and saying it should have been over by now why haven't you blown your brains out i'm telling you but i wonder if it's one or two witnesses in here that can put your hands together and give god praise because you know that his grace and his mercy are a real thing you know and if you've never been through nothing then you don't know what i'm talking about but i wonder if there's anyone other than me that's been through some stuff and you say man if it had not been for the grace and the mercy of god it would have been curtains it would have been mics out lights out but i'm so glad for his strength being made perfect in my weakness 
So the fact is that we have to understand that not only does Jesus give us a heads up as it pertains to suffering, not only does he give us a heads up as it pertains to tribulation, but he makes it clear to us, as I told you uh, last Sunday, the apostle Peter in first Peter chapter five, he encourages us to understand and to know that there is a purpose for our suffering. Remember, he says in first Peter chapter five, and you know, uh, after he tells us in verse nine, that when these things happen, uh, challenges, he says that we're supposed to resist Satan firm in our faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And look at the purpose here in verse 10. And after you have suffered a little while, everybody say a little while. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. So his purpose, if he allows suffering to happen in our life, the reasoning behind it is so that he can get you to a place of being solid, of being strengthened, being fortified, come on, being tempered. So that the more you go through, come on, what doesn't kill you, I heard them say, makes you stronger. Time after time and test after test until they take my toe or Jesus cracks the sky. It's designed to build me up. The, the Greek word for established, uh, the Greek word for established is themilo, themilo. And it means to lay a foundation, to make stable to make stable. So when he says, when he says that he's going to establish us, God wants us to be in a stable place. Because the more that you trust God through tribulation, the more his track record and his faithfulness is established in your life. So he wants you to come to a stable place. I hear James, James, write this down. James chapter 1, verse 5 through 8. James chapter 1, verse 5 through 8. Just in summary, he's telling us, he's saying, after he talks about trial and tribulations, and he too echoes the sentiments of Peter, that's why we can build this as a doctrine or a teaching or something that is, uh, that is sound in scripture. We can put some, you know, put our, our, our trust in it. It's because we find unity between the two Bible writers, James starts out by saying, count it all joy when you enter into trials of various kinds. And he says, but the trial of your faith works patience and let patience have her perfect work in you that you may be perfect or complete or mature and entire. In other words, in a whole place, wanting nothing. And then he goes on in the fifth verse and he talks about, but if you lack wisdom... Let, let us, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God and God who gives and doesn't take back says that he will give it to you liberally, right? But then he goes on and he says that when you ask, don't ask in a place where you are, uh, oh yes, yeah, so we'll give, give it to him. The next verse talks about when you ask, don't ask doubting. Don't let the person who is asking and doubting think that they're going to receive anything from the Lord. You see, the unstable person is still trying to guess whether or not God is capable. And so he said, if you don't have faith, am I, am I in the book? He says, when you're asking, ask from a stable place. And he says, he says that, that, that this person, uh, they're like a wave of sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. 
There are many of you, your life is marked by instability. You're a Christian today. You're, you act like, okay, I'm saved today. And then tomorrow, as soon as crazy stuff happens, then you're not a Christian no more. Then we can't find you. Then you're gone and you're out and you're blowing around in the wind. Come on, somebody. And that's because you're not leaning into the tests and the tribulations and the trials. You're not humbling yourself under it, saying, you know what? God's presence in my life is not based on my circumstances. It's based on his faithfulness. Oh, man, I I just I just want to help somebody today Uh, because God's desire is for you to be in a place of stability where your life is even keel, where it's not to the place where you where your life is 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 it is reflected based upon what's happening. And so notice what's happening here. He says in verse eight, he goes on and he says that uh, and this person is unstable. They are a double minded man. The King James Version says a double minded man is unstable in all his ways. God's desire. Who am I talking to this morning? God's desire is not for you. To be in a place where trial and tribulation, where the hard knock life brings you to a place of instability. He's, his desire is to bring you from instability to being established. And that happens all based on your perspective of trials and tribulation. The more you see God come through bit by bit when you thought that it was over, the more he builds his track record. I'm saying it over again. I might sound redundant, but we often learn through repetition. I want you to get it. The more that you humble yourself as God reveals himself to you through this thing. I don't know who I'm preaching to. I don't know who's in this place and you showed up and you're like, God must hate me. God must not like me because of what I'm up against. The more that you humble yourself under God's mighty hand. And instead of tripping about it, rejoice. You can dance in the rain. Come on, somebody. I'm singing in the rain. When you have the appropriate perspective, people will look at you and will have to ask you what's going on. Because you oftentimes won't even look like what you're going through. Because even though you're crying out to God and even though things are jacked up in your life, you are not swayed like, a, like the wind tossed to and fro just because your situation changes. Are you with me? So God, the Bible is against double mindedness. You know, this is why even for some of you, you don't get it in terms of your faith. And I'm, I'm talking about this. You got to get the most out of your tribulation. Learn your lesson. I'm telling you right now, I'm going through some of the craziest stuff in my life that I've ever had to face. And the whole time, as hard as it is, as difficult as it is, I'm seeking God during the time. And I'm saying, God, speak to me, Jesus. What is it that you want me to learn out of this? I don't want to. Can I just be real? Can pastors be honest? I'm like, God, I don't want to go back through this thing again. What is it that you're trying to teach me in this season? Teach me. I'm trying to humble myself under his mighty hand so that indeed when I come to a place of exaltation, it's not just because God's pressing the pause button and then he's going to hit restart and I have to go through the same thing again. But but when I get out of this thing, it's because I learned the tools that were necessary to go to the next level. Some of you think that you got out and that you got delivered when God actually just pressed the pause button. He's just giving you a little break, but then he's about to press restart and you're going to have to go through it again. 
We've got to learn this thing. This is why, this is why it's about faith. It's, the Lord's just been dealing with me. I told you guys, this is a series that because of what I'm going through personally, right? I'm preaching to you out of the outgrowth of my personal Bible study during this time. As God says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, I encourage you to take notes and write these scriptures down as I told you to check them out through the week and to make sure that you're growing yourself and, and meditating on these scriptures. He says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. And he says that those of us that come to God must first believe that he exists and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. You heard us singing, I know the breakthrough is coming. Come on. By faith, I see a miracle. We're declaring this. I know God made me a promise and it won't stop now. We're singing this stuff. And some of you, you think that that thing that happens at the beginning of service when everybody's singing, you're like, you know what? Uh, that's just some singing stuff. I'm going to skip that. That's optional. You know what we're doing in that time? We're not in just here in here singing songs. When you're driving down the street and you're playing music, it's not just an alternative to the station you used to listen to when you used to broke out and skin out yourself. Who am I talking to? But this music that, well, y'all don't want to be real with me, but this music is not just a change of station, but it's a change of God's. And so when I'm singing this stuff, come on somebody, it's because I'm declaring to my future like David declared and prophesied, I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continuously be in my mouth. You know what David was doing? David was prophesying to his future. Did he know what was up against? No, but he was declaring, I will bless the Lord no matter what I'm going through and his praise. So when we show up on Sunday morning, you should be bum rushing those doors. Come on. You used to bum rush the club, didn't you? You used to be waiting outside when you're, let Beyonce come to this place. And people be waiting outside. The lines will be out and around the building. But Sunday morning is a ghost town in here on Sunday mornings. Can I talk to somebody? And you guys start showing up because of oh, the music. and the mu This is not just about music. It's about worship. Come on, somebody. We show up and we declare, I know no matter what I'm facing, because I have faith in God and I believe in God, I'm declaring that a breakthrough is coming. Come on. When I'm driving down the street and they're looking at me crazy, I don't care how I look. I speak because if I don't worship, I'll lose my mind. I wonder if there's somebody in this place that knows what I'm talking about. If I don't give him praise in the middle of my stuff, I might just end it all. Y'all don't want to be real with me this morning. And so when I sing this stuff, it's because I'm declaring to my future that God is with me. And he's not just here when stuff is going the way I want. Somebody give God praise this morning. thought you were just singing some song oh, he ain't singing my song this morning listen i don't care if my two-year-old got up here and sang come on somebody it doesn't matter this is see that's y'all y'all approaching worship carnally come on come in here talking about oh they this my song and i want them oh my gosh they ain't playing my song it don't matter what song is playing as long as the words have faith in them come on somebody as long as they're centered around the name that's above every name as long as they're encouraging and increasing your faith you ought to get up here and sing at the top of your lungs this is the only only place you can show up even if you don't know how to sing it don't matter you just speak those words i believe that breakthrough is coming it don't matter you gotta open your mouth and declare come on somebody
Is that a joke thing? Didn't come to make sport, man. I'm telling you guys that this is why we sing. This is why we worship. It's not just about songs. And this is what he says, that you, without faith, it's impossible to please him. And that's why you, God allows us to go through these things. And this is why, can I, can I just t- tell you, can I just poop your party? Nothing is ever going to be 100% in your life. God is never going to put you in a place where you don't need to trust him to make it through. Oh man, I could close the service right there. Some of y'all are in this place and you're like, oh man, I'm looking forward to the day when everything, you know when that's going to happen? When Jesus cracks the sky or when they're saying rest in peace about you on Facebook. That's when you're going to get to a place where there's no more challenges. But while you are living and while you are on the earth, God is never going to put you in a place where you don't have, because your life can't please him. He said without faith, it's impossible to please him. So he's never going to put you in a place where your life is not pleasing him because you're in a place where you don't have to have faith. Am I making this up? Look, so your life is never going to be in a place where you don't have to demonstrate faith. Because then God, that's the only, so, so this is why challenges and tribulations will come because it's meant to establish you. It's meant to build you up. It's meant to get you to the place where you know that you know that you know, as we told you that Paul says in the Greek, he says that he was tranquilized. He was sure that nothing is going to break his fellowship or his love. And that's why some of you, you think you got to get saved every Sunday. You think your, your salvation is like an on and off switch. Double minded. You, this, that's what I'm saying. You believe this being tossed. So God is good now because everything is cool. And then next Sunday, you know, you might not put up your hand. But when I'm doing that prayer at the end, you're repeating it under your breath. God, I thank you for sending Jesus. I believe you died and you rose from the dead. And you saying it not because you're just trying to encourage the person beside you and give them some assurance. But you saying it because you think you got unsaved because you messed up or because of the challenges that you're going through. Look at somebody. In fact, encourage them because it's mighty quiet in here. Tell them, neighbor. Your salvation is not an on and off switch. Come on, tell them, tell them. That ought to set somebody free right there. I'm so glad. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved. Grace, God's work on our behalf. When he died, when he lived perfectly, died on my behalf, rose from the dead with all power in his. He says, For by grace are you saved through faith, not of works. It is the gift of God. Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9. Lest any man should boast. Because we'd be boasting, we'd be walking around here with our chins high and our chest high if salvation was something that we earned and attained. But salvation is by the grace of God, the work of God, through our faith in what he has done. So that means that whatever I'm going through and what, I'm, what I do or don't do, it's not a qualifier or a disqualifier if I truly have put trust and faith in Jesus. Are you with me still? That's some good news. All right. Oh, that was my introduction. So, uh, so, so, so look, so look, so our perspective of suffering often, uh, it, it ultimately rather determines what we get from it. That's what I'm trying to get you to get today. Your perspective of suffering, your perspective of tribulation, your perspective of what you're going through, that ultimately determines because, you know, the fact is that our perspective is often shaped by unbiblical theology. 
This is why doctrine is important. Doctrine means teaching. This is why what an organization or a church espouses or employs as a belief system is extremely important. Where is it rooted? There are a lot of things that people think are ancient Christianity, but they actually only came into existence within the past hundred, couple hundred years or so. And we hold on to it and we die on a hill for some of these things. And it's not even scriptural. It's not even historically correct. You know, and this is why stuff like the prosperity gospel is so dangerous. This, this gospel, and, and, and note this, what this is, what I'm not saying when I come against the prosperity gospel, what I'm not saying is that God doesn't want, you, you know, that God wants everybody to be broke. And that God, cause that's, whenever you say that, people are like, oh, so are you saying that God wants us to be broke? And that God wants everybody to be sick. No, that's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying, because this prosperity gospel is teaches that if you are a believer in Christ, that God, you are always going to be in a wealthy place, richness in terms of material things. You're always going to be in a place of health. And so if stuff comes against you, you know, and, 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 and suffering or challenges in your body and all this stuff may come against you, then that means that you don't have enough faith. And that means that God must not be with you or you need to give more. Because notice uh, in, in these churches that preach this stuff and the televangelists that preach this stuff online and they just up when everybody sleep. You know, it's only creepy people that be up at that time anyway. That's why they be praying on those people. Y'all supposed to be in your bed and they up here to sounding all creepy like send me your $10,000 feed. Money, 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 money. It's like, child, there is only crazy people up at that time. Well. And at the end of the day, there's this thing that tells us, they teach that unless things are spick and span, that God could never, God is not with you, you know, or that you have sin in your life and all this stuff and blah, blah, blah. And it's this extreme, this washing machine Jesus. When the text said, the text said, this is what the Bible, see, your theology, your view of God and his relationship with mankind in summary, that's what theology means. Your theology needs to be based on scripture. God is not Burger King. You can't have him your way. This Jesus, the biblical Jesus said, don't think it's strange when you enter into trials of various kinds. When? He, the, the biblical Jesus said, in this life, you will have persecution. Who am I talking to this morning? 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. Write it down. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. Paul says, yes, those who seek to live godly in Christ will suffer persecution. These are promises. So it's not surprising. Don't be surprised and it's not doesn't mean that you're a sinner or that everything. No, oftentimes it just speaks to the fact that it, according to uh, according to first Corinthians 10, 13, write that down and check it out later, that God will often allow these things to happen. And because he's faithful to not suffer you to be tempted above what he's first prepared you to deal with. And so it speaks to his development and his preparation of you before you even go through what you're facing. Can I talk this morning? So you have to test your view and your theology of God. There's so much more that I want to say, but I don't have the time for it today. And so I want to encourage you around this. So the types of persecution that we face. Because going back to the text, it says, don't be surprised when it happens. 
he says as if it's something strange, but rejoice. So that's my perspective. It ought to be about based in joy and rooted in joy and not rooted in circumstance. As you know, as it said, happiness is based on what's happening. God did not come to this earth for you just to be to a place where you're happy all the time. You might be unhappy in life, but you can still have joy. Because joy is rooted in Jesus, not circumstance. It's rooted in the fact that he has already overcome the world. That's what he said in John 16, 33. I have already overcome the world. This is why you have the opportunity to be in a place where you're of good cheer and you have peace. Because you know how this thing is going to end. Even if you leave this place, you still, if you're a believer, you get to be with Jesus forever. Isn't that good? So the types of things that we face, the, the types of suffering that we face, we talked about, just to summarize, we talked about God's chastisement. Remember, talked about God whooping us because Hebrews chapter 12, it lets us know, says that those who the Lord loves, he chastises. We also talked about uh, consequential or reciprocal uh, uh, attack. In other words, things that happen to our lives because of what we do. So what we put out there, Galatians chapter 6 You know, Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 and 8 talks about, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that's what he's going to reap. He makes it clear. And so so, so, uh, there are things that we face in terms of what we put out there. Reciprocal or consequential things that are a consequence of our behavior. So some of the suffering we face is self-inflicted. And so we find here in the text, he even says in 1 Peter chapter 4, he says, uh, he goes on and he says in verse 15, after he says all this good stuff, because we shout about, oh, so I go through suffering, you know, I can rejoice. But know that the type of suffering that he says, don't rejoice about, or that you shouldn't be suffering as. He says, but let none of you suffer as a murderer, or a thief, or an evildoer, or up in everybody's business. So some of the suffering we face is self-inflicted. And we praise God that, as I told you a few weeks ago, Romans 8, 28, that all things can work together for good. So even when you mess up and you do something stupid, you have to suffer and your suffering is self-inflicted. But God can even take that mess up and still turn it around for good. So somebody today, you showed up, you're beating yourself up because of the suffering that you're facing because of the choices that you made. But even in this, you have the opportunity to still repent, which means to turn your change, your mind about what you've done by God's grace and his enablement. And you can get up and go in the right direction and forgiveness is there for you. But he's saying, hey, that's the worst type of suffering for you to go through because it's suffering that you set up for yourself. Not only that, but then there's spiritual or satanic suffering and persecution. See, some of you guys, you don't even believe in the devil. The devil is just some mystical creature. Well, a lot of how he is depicted is mystical and mythological and finds its roots in a lot of paganism. But the devil is a biblical character. In fact, we just look in 1 Peter chapter 5. You know, we were looking at, he says in verse 8, be sober minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. Some people think, oh, the devil is just a system. Or the devil is just, no, he is a real entity that it commands demons. Come on, somebody. And oftentimes the Bible actually makes it clear to us that some of the stuff that you and I are facing, that you think that it's that person, but there's actually a demonic force behind them. 
Ephesians 6 verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the mythological creature. The devil. That's what he says in the text. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, and then he goes on and lists from verse 13 uh, and onward, he lists the whole armor of God that he tells us to make sure that we are standing guarded with. Too many of us wait until you get in stuff to then try to start fighting back. But he says, stand guarded. So that you can stand against a spiritual, the satanic attack of the enemy. You ever been in your life, there are some patterns that have been happening in some of your lives. And you don't even realize that it's of satanic origin. There are certain things that happen in your life that just pop out of, out of nowhere. And you're like, man, what in the world is going on? This is because there are the satanic things that happen in your life. Sometimes you wonder why certain people act the way that they do towards you. And you think that and you don't even realize that oftentimes they are under the influence of satanic attack. Can I talk real today? There are witches and there are warlocks. And there are voodoo priests and priestess and people who will cast spells. And see, some of y'all don't believe in this stuff, but I have stories and things that have happened to me that if I tell you, make the hairs on your neck stand up and I share them sometimes in messages. But at the end of the day, there are things that happen. I know that there are witches and warlocks that cast spells against Surf City Church and release demonic forces. Come on, somebody. And one of y'all might even be in here right now. And let me tell you, I take authority over every demon force in the mighty name of Jesus the blood of Jesus stands against you devil you and your foes are defeated at the cross of Christ and every demonic power released I bind and I cause its attack to bow in the name and the authority of Jesus Christ get thee behind me Satan somebody ought to give God praise because his power is greater than any satanic attack I feel power, man. Y'all might have to come get me because somebody don't even realize that a lot of the stuff you're facing is because of demonic and satanic attack. And you need to stand up and rise up. And when it don't make sense, it's often demonic. And those dreams that you've been having in the night. Come on, let me prophesy to somebody. And God told me I was coming for some of y'all devils today. Those dreams have been popping up in your sleep. And you've been wondering, saying, why is it that I keep having dreams where somebody's showing up and touching me? Why is it that I keep on having these recurring things happening over and over again? These murderous dreams. Why is it that I've been walking down the street and these pops of these thoughts of suicide just be popping in my head out of nowhere? And you got to get to the place where you say, return to sender, devil when you get up in the middle of the night and stuff pops in your mind you say there's not another day you're going to inhabit my mind I rebuke you Satan in the name you've been letting the devil whoop you says resist him that's what the text said firm in your faith not talking about one of those over spiritual people Ooh, everything is a demon no I'm not saying everything is a demon but I'm telling you, it's some stuff in your life that it's demonic attack because you are naming the name of Christ. When you wake up and you be feeling depressed and the drapes are closed and you don't want to come out the room, that is the devil. 
No, you don't need to go to that church. And they start telling you, everybody's a hypocrite and all this stuff. Be putting, be putting stuff in your mind. You don't need to go out the house. You know, what's, you, the, your boss don't like you anyway. And all these things be coming in your mind and you just let it be there. You have the choice. Okay. Somebody say, I have the choice. I have the choice. I'm done. I'm over my time, but I felt that somebody needed that. Persecution is real, man. He says in the text, look, in first Peter, in first Peter chapter four, look what he says in the text. I love it, man. Resist the devil, James 4, 7. Resist the devil and he will flee. First Peter chapter four. He says, but rejoice in so far as you share in Christ's sufferings. Remember, Satan came and tempted Jesus too. In Matthew 4 and in Luke 4. Go check it out. Rejoice as you share in Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted, next time somebody insults you for being a Christian, next time some stuff happens to you and comes up against you, you ought to rejoice and say, you know what? I'm blessed. Because he says, if you're insulted, we say, we're blessed in the city. We sing that when, you know, uh, all these things we sing about. And usually that's attached to when good stuff is happening. But he said, even when you are insulted. He said, don't throw the fingers up. He said, don't, don't curse the person. You know, we like to turn into prophets. And we like to think we can start cursing people and you know praying in 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 prayer crazy prayers over imprecatory prayers over people and stuff he said he says no he says rejoice because you're blessed in that moment in acts chapter 23 verse 12 through 35 40 people took an oath that they were not going to eat or drink until they killed paul ain't that some crazy stuff they wanted paul so dead that they were not going to eat or drink until they killed Paul. And so, I, I, you know, I think the disciples were a little crazy, little in their head. But they had a revelation about the power of God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end on this. Acts chapter 5, and I think we need to read this stuff for perspective's sake. Remind yourself. That's why he says that you're not the only one who's gone through it or is going through it. Acts chapter 5 verse 40. Look at the text. It says, this is after, the, okay, verse 40. After when they had called the apostles, they beat them. Everybody say beat them. And charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they left the presence of the council weeping. What does it say? Rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. They had to have this type of perspective that we're talking about. That they got whooped for the gospel. That they were faced with tribulation, but they rejoiced after they got licks. Isn't that crazy? That's the type of perspective God wants you to have. That's the type of perspective God has called you and I to. That we're not shaken, that we're not tossed to and fro with the stuff we're up against, with the hard knocks of life, that we're not, we're not, we don't trip over that stuff. But we walk in a place of 
being solid, establishment based on what we go through. In fact, I want you to just declare this over your neighbor. Just look at them. Even if they give you a screw face, it's okay. Don't give them the fingers or anything like that. Just tell them, say, tell them, say, God wants you to be established. Come on. You know, you know, you can even use your inside voice. Look at, look at somebody else. Tell them, tell them, I don't know what you're going through. Tell them, God wants you to be established. That's what I wish. That's what I wish for you.